This Day in History Class is a production of iHeartRadio. Hello, and welcome to This Day in History Class, a show that shines a light on the ups and downs of everyday history. I'm Gabe Luzier, and in this episode, we're reflecting on a day when poor planning turned what should have been a fun event into a full-blown tragedy. The day was December 3rd, 1979. At a concert for the British rock band The Who, 11 people were crushed to death by a crowd of overeager fans trying to get inside Cincinnati's Riverfront Coliseum. The deadly incident was precipitated by the venue's general admission ticketing policy, known as festival seating. Under this system, the vast majority of seats were first come, first served. This led to a desperate scramble to claim the best unreserved seats, and in the ensuing chaos, 11 fans lost their lives and many more were injured. According to the contract between the venue and the band, the majority of tickets had to be made available as general admission. The sales receipts for the Ohio concert show that nearly 15,000 general admission tickets were sold for $10 each. On the other hand, only about 3,500 tickets had been sold as reserved seating. The difference in cost was just $1.00 and many concertgoers would have surely paid the extra buck to avoid standing in a crowd for hours before the doors even opened. Festival seating was so unpopular that many other venues in the U.S. had already abandoned it by the late 1970s. The Riverfront Coliseum was one of the few holdouts. Remarkably, management had kept the system in place even though they had already witnessed the dangerous conditions it could create. Two years before the Who concert, the venue had hosted a show by Led Zeppelin, with most of the tickets sold being festival seating. As expected, a large crowd began to form several hours before showtime, and eventually it turned violent. In the end, dozens of fans were injured that day, and 60 people were arrested. The Coliseum should have taken notice and done away with festival seating just as their peers had done, but they didn't. The Who concert on December 3, 1979 was scheduled to start at 8pm, with doors opening about an hour before that. However, since they weren't able to reserve good seats, general admission ticket holders had begun to gather outside the venue as early as noon. By 3 p.m., the crowd had grown so large that the police were called in to keep order in the Coliseum's plaza. It was a cold winter day in Cincinnati, and as the hours dragged on and the temperature dropped, the freezing crowd grew restless. At around 6.15, people at the back of the crowd began to push forward. This forced the people in front of them to do the same, and on and on until the people at the front of the crowd were finally pushed up against the locked glass doors at the Coliseum's west gate. One police lieutenant suggested that the concert promoters open the doors early for the safety of the crowd. However, he was told that there wouldn't be enough ticket takers on duty until 7 p.m. As a result, 
the forward crush continued for over an hour and a half until the doors were finally opened at 7.05. According to concert goers, only four of the 16 doors were opened, and two of those were intermittently blocked by guards. This created a bottleneck of roughly 8,000 people. At 7.20, the crowd pushed forward so powerfully that one set of glass doors shattered. Other doors were then forced open by the crowd, and people began streaming through the plaza for the next 15 minutes. Coliseum security consisted of a handful of guards with billy clubs, none of whom stuck around once things turned ugly. The police were still on the scene, but they were so outnumbered there was little they could do to stop the flow of people. At last, at about 7.45 p.m., the 25-man police force began to work its way into the crowd. They quickly found the first of 11 concertgoers who had died from asphyxiation. As more bodies were discovered, additional police were called to the scene, along with emergency medical services and the fire department. The Who's manager, Bill Kerbishley, told the Cincinnati fire marshal that it would be dangerous to stop the concert because the fans inside might riot. The fire marshal agreed, as did the city's mayor, so the promoters were told to go on with the show as scheduled. As for the band members, they weren't told what had happened until several hours later, after their final encore. When they left the stage, Kerbishley took them into the tuning room and told them that 11 people had just died before the show. Three days after the concert, lead singer Roger Daltrey spoke of the incident, saying, quote, Initially, we felt stunned and empty. We felt we couldn't go on, but you gotta. There's no point in stopping. In the aftermath, most people held the crowd responsible for the deaths instead of the promoters, whose negligence had created the unsafe conditions that led to those deaths. The coroner's office echoed the idea, listing the cause of death as, quote, suffocation due to accidental mob stampede. Local TV stations followed suit, depicting the concertgoers as a drug-crazed mob, but according to survivor Mark Helmkamp, the majority of the people in the crowd weren't perpetrators of violence. They were prisoners, trapped in place by a sea of heaving bodies that compressed them on all sides. As he put it, quote, There were too many people and just two doors open. It was a slow squeeze, not a stampede. Promoters across the country recognized the role that festival seating played in the tragedy. The city of Cincinnati took their advice and quickly outlawed festival seating at all of its concert venues. That ban was eventually overturned decades later in light of improved crowd control measures. Despite a more serious approach to crowd control, deadly incidents still occur at concerts and festivals with alarming frequency. In each case, they serve as sobering reminders that there are much worse things than having a bad seat. I'm Gabe Lusier, and hopefully you now know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. You can learn even more about history by following us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TDIHC Show. 
And if you have any feedback or suggestions you'd like to share, you can also write to us at thisday at iheartmedia.com. Thanks to Chandler Mays for producing the show, and thank you for listening. I'll see you back here again tomorrow for another day in history class. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.